Voting season is upon us. Today is the first day you can vote. And did you vote today? What do we need to know? If you have any queries, get in touch. That just after four. There's been a 450% surge in demand for Kainga Order First Home Partner Scheme. And we have a mortgage advisor on that. Also on the panel, as cryptosporidium cases rise, a warning over person-to-person crypto transmission in Queenstown. What you need to know, Professor Michael Baker joins us today. And a moral conundrum you need to have. It is a true story. I want your help. It involves a pet that died while house-sitting. I know, bad luck. And the return of a very occasional feature. It's called the panel Show and Tell. What do you have hidden in tissue at the back of your cupboard, which is super special? We've had an actual photo of the pink and white terraces. We've had a piece out of one of the great pyramids gifted by Lady Carnarvon. What do you have? New Zealand would love to hear about it. Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz as well. With me today... Jenny Morton, financial advisor based in Ōtautahi Christchurch. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Wallace, from a very windy Christchurch. Oh, I bet. I hope you're <laughs> well. And in Wellington, Martin Bosley, fishmonger and chef. Kia ora, Martin. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Jenny. Yeah, good to have you both here. The fishing season now open. You can get back to your favourite rivers and lakes and catch your trout your salmon. Many people are stoked that the opening day landed on a Sunday in the school holidays, meaning more people were able to go out and celebrate. There are some new rules this season. To discuss those and how the season is shaping up, we have Chief Executive of Fish and Game, Karina Jordan. Karina, kia ora and welcome. Kia ora. Have you heard some good stories from people getting out and about yesterday? We've heard some great stories. So anglers from across the country hit the waters, right from Northland to Southland, and in some areas they brave some pretty strong winds to get out there and, and enjoy the day. But they've been looking forward to it for a long while, and so there's quite a festive spirit. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, uh, it's a community now, isn't it? One that people love. And it's about trout and salmon. That's all I know about fishing in our lake, rivers and lakes. What else do people like to catch? Trout and salmon are the main ones. Yeah. A lot of trout in the North Island, and, and we've got some amazing salmon fisheries in, in the Lower South Island. Um, New Zealand's got iconic you know, salmonid fisheries. People travel across the world to get here to fish our rivers. Oh, really? But those are the main ones, yeah. Mm. Now, there are some new rules this year as well, Karina. We have. We've just been looking at some of our fisheries, and they were under quite a bit of pressure. We call these sensitive fisheries. And what we've done is we've moved from a backcountry system through to a designated water system. So we're just encouraging people, when you get out there, get your licence, obviously. Um, have a quick look at your regulations, which will let you know where you can go and how many fish you can take, um, and then go out there and, and enjoy the day. Well, there's some good fishing around your way as well, uh, Jenny. I don't know. Are you, are you an angler at all, Jenny Morton? No, I'm I'm not a fish person. Um, it's not something that I spend my spare time doing. But I yep. always laugh when I drive south to Wanaka and see the anglers set up on the canals um, below the uh, Mount Cook uh, salmon farm. I think they're looking for a, maybe a few escapees. Ah, I mm. see. Right. Mm. Now, I do know someone who is involved in fish. In fact, uh, well, they call him a fishmonger, Martin Bosley. <laughs> 
That's me, the fishmonger. Um, I, I, I am an angler, and I've, uh, I'm very excited about this season. I've treated myself to new waders and new boots, and I spent the last couple of weeks um, getting my uh, my little um, fly box filled with uh, with nymphs and flies, and getting it all organised and uh, and ready to go. I am fizzing with excitement about it. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Also, explain. Explain. Yeah, why are you fizzing? Where are you going? Uh, what are you going to catch? How are you going to cook it? Stay there. Let's go back to Karina. She can explain more. Um, you've been hearing a lot about the gold clam. Any extra precautions there, Karina? Yes, I mean, it was amazing to see anglers take the lead on biosecurity a few years back when we had Didymo issues. And so we're just encouraging anglers to do the same thing. Just check, clean and dry all your gear. Be very careful if you're using boating equipment and you're moving between systems. You want to clean those boats down really well. We'll be doing a lot more work with MPI to ensure that clear messages get out there that are science-based around uh, how we can minimise the risk of the spread of this golden clam from Lake uh, yeah. from Waikato River sorry, and Lake Katapeto uh, through the rest of the country. And so that's sort of a big focus at the moment. So some of the eastern anglers were, were quite disappointed. It's a really popular fishing spot that area, but there were a number of other lakes that, um, that were, they managed to get out to and they fished extremely well. I guess what really surprises me, Karina, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, is just how extraordinarily popular this pursuit is. You're expecting around 100,000 anglers to go fishing throughout the country. That's amazing. That's right. We've already sold around 21,000 licences and would be expecting around 100, 150,000 to be sold this year. So it's, it's, it's because people embrace it, they really know that it's good for their mental health and well-being. It's a great day out in what can be amazing parts of our country. It's a great way to spend time with your family. It's a great way to get kids off devices. And obviously, yeah. you know, a great way to put food on the table. So, Martin, back to you then. What do you do? You do fly fishing. How do you fish? Yeah, I fly fish. I can't see fish to save myself. Saltwater fishing just is something beyond me, which is why I sell the fish rather than catch the oh. fish. Um, yeah, but I, but I fly when I, when I fly fish, but catching a, a trout is another thing entirely. So why? How do you yeah, mean? Well, I don't always catch. I'm, I'm not. I don't always catch anything. Um, you know, because and I think it's um, you know none of us live too far away from a river that you can go fly fishing on, and right. it's a really accessible sport. It's easy to get into. It's not that difficult to sort of you know to get yourself up and start. And as and as um, we just said, like you know, it's you just got, you see some beautiful parts of the country that don't take you long to get there to. And it's a it's a mental health thing. You just even if you don't catch a fish, it's a beautiful day on the river. And you kind of when you when you fly fishing, you zone totally in on that. You know, on that aspect of, mm. you know, what you're doing and everything else that you think about, just it just kind of washes away and just disappears for that moment in time. It's beautiful. Oh, mm. beautifully said, Karina. Don't you think? That's, I couldn't have said it better myself. Brilliant. <laughs> just give me a call, Karina, if you need a uh, you need a poster child for you my job. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, and also, Southland have also introduced a new system to stop overcrowding. This seems to be quite an issue in some stretches, for example, in the Upper Matauda. That's right. So we introduced beat-type systems, and this is where um, people essentially are able to go and nominate a beat area, and then they have that stretch of river for a period of time. So it stops overcrowding. And and the key area that we really want to protect is not only the the health of the fishery, obviously, um, but ensure that people get that sense of isolation and just those moments by themselves that they need to. Mm. And so this also provides a really them a great day when we have these systems in place so they can just get a little bit of space to themselves and it takes a little bit of pressure off the fish.
Very, very good indeed. Hey, Karina, all the very best. Thank you for uh, enlightening us on this uh, new season, uh, and thank you for your time. Have a great day. Bye. Um, wonderful uh, pieces of uh, uh, well, bric-a-brac and paraphernalia for our um, panel show and tell. That is 10 to 5 this afternoon. I cannot wait. Here's one. We have a tiny piece of the Berlin Wall after its destruction in 19. 19- 89. Very interesting. Uh, what do you have for us for the nationwide show and tell? Text me two and one. Do you recall? Uh, my, my most exciting day at school was when I had the show and tell. Oh, I loved it. Holding forth at school. Anyway, so keep those coming. Uh, got a bit of time here, Martin. I, I wanted to know if you caught a trout, how would you cook it? Um. If I caught a trout, I mean, everybody sort of uh, tends to smoke trout. Um, you know, so I think it's the sort of go-to for a lot of people. But I, um, I don't do that. I pan fry it, and I just uh, like take you know take the two fillets off, and then take the pin bones out. Uh, and it's you know tr- the, the season coincides with the beginning of another really exciting season, Wallace, which is the asparagus season starts. Oh. And asparagus and trout were absolutely made for each other. Oh. And you can just do a nice little thin fillet of, of trout, pan-fried with some buttered asparagus. And the best thing to top that with is a, um, is a nice soft poached egg. And it's just perfect. Oh, yeah. Jenny Morton, I'm closing my eyes yeah, and no, thinking I, of another event. Taste it, right? I'm thinking yeah. of, a, of a scenario where I'm there at the dinner table. Yeah. It might be a, what, a little glass of white, Jenny? <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like the perfect meal. Mm. I've got to say Martin's description of... Um, of going fly fishing reminds me of that wonderful movie with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. I think it was called A River Runs Through It. A River Runs Through It, yeah. And it was a beautiful movie about fly fishing, essentially. Mm. I mean, it had lots of other bits to it, but well worth watching if you can find it on streaming somewhere. Very there's, good. There's an English show as well, which I'm which I, which i addicted to, which is Bob Mortimer, the comedian, and Paul Whitehouse. Um, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called now. It's like gone fishing or something. And it's just two old guys who they do that sort of pommy fishing, you know, which is like around lakes and dams and water wheels. When they have a little float bobbing in the water and they're catching sort of perch and tench and things. But again, it's just that, you know, that, it's that moment in time when you just, you know, everything else just kind of stops and, you know, you're surrounded by beautiful scenery. Good on you. All right. Yep. Uh, Jenny Morton, I've been thinking. What's your IBT today? Well, it's more I've been wondering, actually. I listened to all in the media about the reporting of the political polls that come out ahead of the election, and I just wonder how much they influence um, voter behaviour. Um, you know, and, and this is just literally a wondering by me. I've got no proof. But I do wonder if they um, influence people who want to vote with a winner. So if they see that nationals are heading the polls, it sort of cements their decision, if you like, to vote uh, for national. If they see that New Zealand First is up at around 5%, they know that if they vote for New Zealand um, First that their vote won't be wasted. So they go ahead and vote for New Zealand First. And I just wonder how much... Uh, whether it's self-perpetuating, if you like. The, the polls come out, they announce who's in front, and then people start thinking in that way. I did a little bit of research on it and looked around on the internet, uh, but it's quite hard to find any sort of up-to-date research on that, and a lot has changed in the last 10 years since the last piece of uni- uh, research I found by Stanford University. That's a brilliant question mm. for our guest just after four, um, whether or not... Um, political polls leading up to the election actually influence 
voter behaviour. Very good. I, I did find that in, I think it was about 2009, um, Helen Clark and New Zealand First were quite keen on banning polls in the month leading up to the election. And I can see, I can see why that might be a good idea. All right. Thank you, Martin Bosley. I've been thinking. That was a good one. Um, well, also on the, along the same veins, um, vein, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's top of mind for everybody, I think, isn't it? This, do you think more people are engaged with this election than any other? I can't, like, everybody seems to be talking about it, but the big thing is, like, who are you going to vote for? Um, but I think that, and that, but that, that, what's important to me, and look, I'm no Luddite and I'm not a conspiracy theorist here um, at all, but I think more than ever we need to um, vote in this election and exercise our democratic right. Mm-hmm. I was in a conversation last week with someone who'd been to a, um, a local government conference and there was a futurist who presented at that who had said that this might be the last ever democratic election we ever get to vote in. And that's largely because of the rise of AI and, um, and chat GPT and the, and the massive leap in technology. Um, that that tech is bringing to us, and you know, and it's developing its own goals. It's got its own agency. It's becoming no longer reliant on um, prompts from humans. It's not like Google, like you know, you, which it was originally. You could put in a, like a search engine, and the sort of possibilities with now, you know, with it now are, um, are endless. And uh, and you know, there's this, this sort of steady destruction of what we see as being you know the truth or facts. Uh, you know, fear and loathing created by you know and nurtured by machines. So we don't. We, where is that? line drawn between what is the truth and what is, you know, what is lies. And I know this seems like bleak fatalism, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I sort of wonder, you know, are our current political tools uh, enough to keep up with what's happening? You know, that, that this is, I mean, ChatGPT, the, the rise of it is in the last seven months, really. And, you know, we're talking about another three years before there's another election. Um, and I just sort of wonder if, the, you know, if this isn't a serious challenge to our democracy um, as a system. And it's already one that's pretty shaky as it is. So that's what I've been thinking. I know, a bit fatalist, maybe, a bit bleak. Deep thinking there. Very good, Martin. Mm. Uh, So, in other words, you say that uh, while we're here, we need to exercise our democratic right and get out and vote rather than just... uh, Just talking about it. Just talking about it, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, great discussion points there with uh, Ginny Martin and... Ginny Morton, rather, and Martin Bosley. The panel are in the national. I oh my goodness! I have a two thousand year old Roman coin, one of a hoard found by a granddad whilst ploughing in the nineteen twenties. Good Great grief! Story. The panel are in the national. <laughs>